You're listening to the Punk Theology Podcast. PunkTheology.org This audio recording may include inappropriate references, excessive profanities, and potentially unsuitable material for younger children. There, you've been officially warned. Season 2, Episode 29. Ignorance, the Ramones. Ignorance, that word is birthed out of the ability to ignore. And people who are marginalized are a lot easier to ignore. Um, it's a lot easier to, to look at a position rather than a people. This episode is inspired by Amanda Palmer and two of the guys uh, taking a road trip to see an Amanda Palmer show. Um, and we, as, as guys, as men, um, as punks, as kind of a review of her show... This conversation goes into sex, miscarriage, abortion, um, issues that women, uh, and that's part of the drive of the show, right? The, the things that we all feel, the things that are running in our minds that we don't necessarily share with others. Um, as guys, we, inspired by Amanda Palmer, uh, end up talking about some of that here. Who's Amanda Palmer? Here's a little taste from an interview she did um, at the South by Southwest music festival that happens every year in Austin, Texas, followed by a bumper, uh, bumper promo by Amanda Palmer, some of her music. Um, follow our playlist on Spotify, by the way, uh, Punk Theology is the name of the playlist. We don't get paid to say that, by the way. We're like we're not like paid by Spotify. We just appreciate the artists. We appreciate the music. Um, and if you like Amanda Palmer, the punk rock ukuleleist, <laughs> um, we encourage you to follow her. Follow bands that that affect you. Follow the music you care about. And that's what's cool about Spotify and the technology is that you get reminders and notifications when they come to your town in concert or they have merch or vinyl or something like that so yeah not getting paid to say that man we just feel this technology is important especially if it to connect people with artists so uh, punk theology uh, on Spotify and uh, Amanda Palmer here she is I found it really frustrating on a major label that um, the way we wanted to do things as a band and the way we wanted to take care of and connect with and communicate with our fans was just, you know, it was sort of mocked and disrespected. You know, whereas I, I saw that that was sort of like the cornerstone of being a good musician, was connecting, taking care of the community, doing things a certain way. And the, the label misunderstood that so egregiously that I just wanted to get out of there. Um, and I think I got so burned on that relationship that 
um, the idea of signing with another label and doing it the old-fashioned way just didn't look tasty to me. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be where I could have control over the whole relationship and not not be told what to do, not be told my ideas were dumb, you know, not be told that my music was irrelevant or wasn't going to play well to radio. A lot of them didn't even really understand the material because it's not the kind of stuff they ever would have listened to. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I toured around endlessly with the Dresden Dolls, I saw that material resonate really hard with a lot of people. Um, and I believed those people. You know, I believed those people who were coming up to me after shows crying, saying your, your music is really helping me with, you know, my life, my situation, my abusive relationship, my, you know, and I, I wanted to follow the path of connecting with those human beings rather than follow the path of Roadrunner making sure that they could make their fourth quarter. That felt more valuable. Everyone's too scared to open their eyes up But everyone's too scared to close them Everyone's frightened, they don't know what's coming But everyone's frightened of knowing this death thing done. Really got this death thing done. Really got this death thing done. This is All right, this will be a launch pad. Really a launch pad. This, I don't know. This could go places. Yeah, so, you never so, yeah, so, so, so at worst we traveling and don't post it. True, fair enough. To a, to a, a, a music about. fucking uh, so you don't uh, even festival know or <laughs> we don't even know. So let me tell a story. So Arthur and Derek go to uh, last Vancouver. week. We didn't record. You guys drove to Vancouver, which is a whole nother country. Yes. By the way. Yeah, it feels like another country. <laughs> okay, go, go for it anyway. Yeah, kind yeah of. There, there's, there's it's like an hour and a half north. It's very similar to here, but it's different. Yeah, that's it's, my experience. It's like yeah, the upside down America. I've been there like or a long time. Side up. Right side up America. <laughs> right side up America. There you go. I still say A. Yeah. Uh, so who'd you see? Well, not in Vancouver so, so much. We saw Amanda Palmer. We've been doing this for three years. Yes. We go and see different people. So cool. yeah, we drive up to Vancouver. Even though usually the band plays Seattle like the day after or the yeah. day before, <laughs> we still go to Vancouver. The first year it, it yeah. wasn't the case, which is why we went to Vancouver. Right. But then we just like the. Go to Vancouver. The, the road trip together. Yeah, first year we went and saw Ben okay. Kaplan, which, who is fantastic, put on an unbelievable concert. That was fantastic. One of the best concerts I've ever been to. So, listeners, go listen to Ben Kaplan, yeah. especially his album. Or Ben Kaplan, if you're listening. Oh, yeah. Kudos. His right. second album. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes. His second <laughs> album, Birds with Broken Wings. It's amazing. It's fantastic. Amazing. His recent albums are okay. Bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so, is she known as Amanda fucking Palmer? Yeah. She is. Okay. Yeah. So, and she uh, started a punk cabaret band when she was 18 or 19, I think yes. she said. So, it was just her playing piano and a drummer, and then she did the lyrics. Uh, and that's how I got into her. I was, and Called she's, the Dresden Dolls. Yes, the Dresden Dolls. Uh, they had two and a half, kind of three albums. Really good music. I always really liked her. I loved her concerts. She's super, super fucking weird. Like, 
like heavy, heavy into the art artist art artist thing. She used to have like sideshow freaks do her opening instead of opening bands. You'd have sideshow freaks. You like it, John? That sounds and, like my and uh, and uh, yeah, and really, really weird opening acts. So and then the next year after Ben Kaplan, we went and actually saw Amanda Palmer. She does this thing called Ninja Ted, where she follows around TED Talks. And she has all the people that do TED Talks come and do, like, this bizarre, like, what are your other talent type of thing. Yes. <laughs> uh, at this other... It's for, like... She literally has this fight people that. to her, th- her venue that she's already booked. Like, and the next day. Yeah, so... Uh, so, yeah. Gordon Joseph Lovett played the drums. And, he did? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters... What did he do? He came. He wrote a. He wrote a poem. He wrote a poem. Yes, and then about climate change, and yep. then uh, uh, Neil Gaiman wrote wrote one of it. Or Her husband. Yes. So she's married to Neil Gaiman. I don't know if you're. Who's familiar. Neil Gaiman? He he's wrote. An author. He's an author. He wrote. Uh, well, he wrote Good Omens, which just came out on Amazon. Oh yeah. Uh, he, Wait, he's written a ton of Stardust. Yeah. Um, uh, Neverwhere. Yeah. Anyway, she's a bunch Ama- of good He's stuff. Amanda Palmer's. Husband. Husband. He's a he's a very odd sci-fi fiction not, writer. Not, yeah, kind of sci-fi. Sci-fi fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he's more he's steeped in Christian theology, which yes, is interesting. He, yeah. And he Good he's omens. not yeah. not uh, yeah. He likes <laughs> to poke at Christians. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of his thing. Well, so, Good Omens is written also with Terry Pratchett, and yes. I feel like Terry had more to do with it than yeah. yeah I feel yeah. it, 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 it feels more, more like Pratchett than if a demon and an angel became friends. Yeah, it's super good. Did you see the show? Yeah, yeah, it was really good. The first one, it was good. Uh, and so anyway, so then this year we go and we saw just Amanda Palmer. <clears throat> to be frank, we thought we were seeing just Amanda Palmer the last time we went. <laughs> <laughs> that was and, funny. And Amanda just emceed the TED Talk thing. She did like one song. She did one song. Uh, and then we just watched all these random people show up on stages. That we, yeah. Uh, and then, so this one was actually her doing a show. So we were, I was talking about on the way up, like, I wonder where opening act's going to be, and blah, blah, blah. And we get up, and we and they have the the schedule posted, and it's a four-hour show. Oh, wow. And it's just her. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So, no opening act. There was an intermission. Despite her newest album being called, there will be no intermission, <laughs> yeah. ironically. But you need that That's for so a four-hour show. It took me a yeah. second to figure that out. That's so punk. Figure out that. So, yeah. Um, like it. it was a four-hour show. Wow. She did seven songs. Over four hours, and the rest of it was her telling stories, uh, just talking, words? Just telling and, stories, no telling stories wow. about her life, and it was super fucking honest and vulnerable and open. She, I mean, like this show. Yes, cool. it was basically a version of this show. Cool. <laughs> she just talked about Amanda Palmer's mind, not ours. Right, right. She yeah. talked about the three abortions she had. My goodness. And in very vivid detail. And uh, the uh, miscarriage she had in really, really vivid detail. Rescued from being in bondage at 14. Yeah, she talked tied about... to a table in a basement. Yeah, oh, so just... So what was the venue? Uh, it was Small, at... Small, uh, large? No, it was good. It was like a... The University like a classic, of... Uh, British Columbia. University of British Columbia. It's kind of like a, like a classic... Uh, concert hall. Concert hall, okay. yeah. It was very Super fancy. ritzy. Yeah, super fancy. <laughs> was it packed? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it, was wow. it was super dark. That was like, <laughs> yeah, like it was just the spotlight, and that was all you could see. Um, but it was really, really good. It was hard, like, I, like intense, emotionally exhausting, especially a four-hour show. Yeah. Um, she's just she's a brilliant storyteller. She's really, really good. 
uh, one of those people that just kind of thinks in stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was kind of what I was always attracted to with her music. Her music's fun and good, but it was always the story and the lyrics. That yeah. was kind of the big selling point. I'm always impressed by people that can just memorize that stuff. Even comedians. She didn't. I don't think she memorized it. I think, I think she worked off an outline. Oh, right. And basically just got yeah. up and yeah, talked. I think she just wings it every night. Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was really, I mean, it was challenging. So, to give you an idea, like, she, she starts, she intros with this, this heavy story about her being tied up in bondage and then starting to go into her, her first abortion. And then after she tells that, she goes, so that's setting the tone for the night. <laughs> and, um, and then she plays, like, the intro to, like, her probably most popular solo song. Yeah. Um, Coin-Operated Boy. Coin-Operated Boy. And she plays, like, the intro chords. And then she says, so anytime you feel sad, you can yell, Amanda, I feel sad, I feel and I'll too play that. Sad. <laughs> and I'll play that, and then, because nobody can feel sad when you hear these chords. <laughs> People literally yelled that out three times during the concert. No, it was more than that. I don't know, it was like four or five. Maybe, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, but, like, her entire set was completely heavy and raw. Damn. Yeah, it was uh, very, yeah, for four fucking four hours. Four hours, wow. Uh, but yeah, it was super good. I mean, and her whole thing is radical compassion, hmm. and there's a second part to that. Compassion and I don't think it's oh empathy. Radical compassion and empathy yeah. is her whole thing, uh, and she just talked a lot about that. She talked about some she talked about her best friend dying of cancer right. in the midst of her going through some of the right. things she was going through. Her best friend and also like her counselor and mentor growing up, the only person who really got her and gave a fuck and invested in her. And uh, yeah, he was supposed to live cancer. for six months, and instead he lived for four years. But dying of cancer right through the middle of some really traumatic. It was, it was about trauma. Uh, talked about working in in prisons for a while with different people, and and a huge part of it was just about abortion mm. and about how uh, it felt, or it just you know the, from a, the complexity of yes. Her point was like this is a super fucking complex issue, yeah. and the women that have gone through it, like it's. Just fucking brutal. And how nobody talks it's about so it, but how common, common it is. And the and she she was just really <coughs> open about each one of her abortions. She was open about her thought process and where she was at and what she was wrestling with with each one. Wow. And it was it was heart wrenching. They were different every time. Yeah. Yes. Wow. And then and then hearing the story at the end about her miscarriage uh, was also yeah just an interesting take on that whole. What yeah. what emotions were you all both experiencing then? Especially Arthur in your situation. <laughs> he hasn't talked I mean, would you be crying? I'd be crying. Um, I didn't cry. Um, it was um, it was challenging. I mean, I, I had kind of realized a while ago that with all of the um, abortion rhetoric, because she was referring a lot to, you know, what's, what's going on in the United States and, and you know, Roe v. Wade's mm. ruling being challenged and overturned even in some states. <clears throat> Um, I was just, I, I had recently just kind of accepted, you know, I'm like, I, I'm a 42 year old male who's never going to be pregnant. I've had a vasectomy. <laughs> I'm never going to make anybody pregnant. Um, I don't know how my opinion matters, even if I had a strong one. I don't know how to know what the right thing to do is. I know that, um, making abortion illegal leads to all kinds mm-hmm. of problems in society um but i also just don't feel like my voice fucking matters because right. i'm not going to have her have to make that decision i'm not going to put anybody in a position that they have to make that decision well the emotion that she 
exudes. How did you receive that? I mean, just it, the raw emotion of the with empathy. Life. It was it was hard. It I was mean, very hard. yeah, um, I would I would cry. I mean, one I of I would one of her abortions was um, was in response. To, this was when she was trying to have a kid with Neil, and she had gotten sick early on before she knew she was an abortion, and she had taken an antibiotic that is known to be intensely damaging to mm. fetuses, and and so when she found out she was pregnant, her doctor literally said, "You you have to do this." Yeah, like that wasn't even her choice. Um, that would just that and, would and that was. Mm. Did you stay up there or did you drive back home that night? We drove back. Oh god! I, I think so. There was a couple times where I wondered if I could keep going. Right. Yeah. Like I was like I might have to stand up and just walk this out for a couple uh -huh. minutes and then come uh -huh. back in. No, man, I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it was like a like I had almost a. a like a little bit of a rising panic moment a couple oh, really? of times of just like, wow. ah, this is a little... But, but I was able to breathe through it and just kind of... What triggered it? Or you want to say... Just the stories were... It was just, it was just wave after wave too much, of... Yeah. of uh, overwhelmed? Yeah, just a little overwhelmed. Uh, and she did mix in like a, a certain amount yes. of levity. Um, and she, she arranged the whole thing in... Um, in almost like a like a stand-up comedian sort of way. Yeah, Not that she was lighthearted, right. but the way that she like set up things that were going to come later with stories at the beginning and then kind of bring it back around. Um, this is like a spoken word show. Ways. Right. Yeah. And, and he's right. There's definitely some stand-up element. Henry Rollins does that. That's like yeah. exactly what he does when he um, things in and comes back later. I mean, and I was reminded of... there. So at one time I had a, a job where I had a lot of freedom um, because I was... I was well-respected and kind of made my own hours. And and, um, and I had a, a close friend who uh, essentially asked me to take a girl in the middle of the day to an abortion clinic. Um, and she was 19. I was not close friends with her, um, but I was close friends with a friend of hers. And because I was the person who could just leave... Um, I was asked to do that, and I, and I did. And unlike some of Amanda's stories where there were protesters and stuff, uh, here, where where we went, there there were none. It was, it was just a Planned Parenthood site. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I, and I took her there, and, and I didn't have, you know, words for her. I didn't pretend like I did. Um, I just decided that day that I was going to, you know, be the, the physical transportation that she needed and I, I brought her there and I stayed and I you know took her home afterwards um, and uh, you know a couple of weeks later she had she had thanked me um, because she didn't want to talk that day either you know it was just really hard mm. um, and it reminded me of that because I was thinking about how I didn't know what to think about doing that I, mm -hmm. I you know I didn't even know how long ago was this <clears throat> Still in your evangelical days, or uh, it was right at the end. It was right. It was shortly after I'd left that. It was like five years ago. Okay, um, six years ago now. Five, four, three, three. Wow. Yeah, it was like three years ago. Um, you know, and I, 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 I just, I didn't choose. I chose not to ask her her situation. I chose not to kind of make that small talk. Um, you know, but I. But I asked her what she needed. I asked her if she wanted to stop at the grocery store and get anything, whether she needed some food or, um, or anything, and, you know, she declined. Um, 
but it was one of those things where, you know, someone that wanted to help her that couldn't ask me to do it for her, and I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you're that person um, when, yeah, it was just hard, and the way that Amanda presented her stories, the way that she talked about the different um the different ways that she wrestled with that decision because it you know she presented in a way that it's never just really all that clean cut right. experiences right. are never um, <coughs> they're never good they're always super emotional um, super nuanced I think that's why you know I come to the conclusion that making it illegal is just a bad idea because the whole thing is so nuanced to that and the law is just a big blunt object and mm-hmm. it's sweeping and it's wide mm-hmm. and you cannot make a like in every single situation is completely different with right. hundreds of variables into it and the law just rips it apart every time um, law has no nuance right it's, not, it's <laughs> right. not capable of having nuance right and the and the fallout from that is just is just brutal and forcing yeah it's 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 hard the the whole you know it's hard especially as a man to talk about yeah um, and it you know it, it's a little bit you know sometimes it feels a little bit dangerous I think the hardest thing about abortion is that it's impossible not to pour your own perspective into somebody else's story right and, and it's and that situation is so heavy with potential mm-hmm. like there may not be another moment that's more. I don't know, uh, that is more filled with potential than that moment. And that whichever way you go will absolutely change the rest of your future and not in a minor way, right. in a really, really, really significant way. Um, and and nobody feels that more than the mother does. Yeah. Like, the earth, yeah, that girl is feeling that, and that's such a huge fucking weight. Uh, it's, you know, and honestly... Let's shame her. Right, yeah. Let's, let's tell her yeah, yeah. that she's a murderer. That that'll definitely help. Yes. Um, yeah, and 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 it, I think that was the like I understood that and I knew that, but hearing Amanda talk about it just kind of, yeah, put more of a. These are the stakes. There was something about the the presentation and getting it out of the the evangelical rhetoric that I've heard it in, the political rhetoric right. that I've heard it yeah. in, getting into... Just tell like, the story. Yeah, just... These are my stories. Right. Was just, you know, heart-wrenching and engaging and, and really powerful. And Derek and I talked about it during the intermission how no one that... So Amanda Palmer is is weird also because of her Dresden Doll success and her kind of cult following that she has. She doesn't use record labels, and she talked about that. She she has a Patreon. She's supported. She produces records where she doesn't have to go into a room full of white men and and sell her her stuff to a marketing team telling her whether it'll sell or not. Right. She just gets she to should, produce on should, her own. Yeah, yeah. And That's great. And so because she has this following, there's there was nobody there. Not a single person, I don't believe, that, that didn't already agree with her political position on sure. the issue. You know, she wasn't convincing anybody, but at the same time, I don't think that is what the point was. The point was to have that conversation that very few people can so talk just about. just air it out. And, and, you know, and to give it the... 
the justice of that level of nuance and the difficulty and the emotional uh, struggle that it is to wrestle with that decision. Mm -hmm. Like, time to breathe and, you know, and even express it in some songs. Right. Some written by her, some not. Um, so, I, I have a story. Um, and it's, it's interesting how, like, being a guy who talked about sex for so long, I've been asked, like, well, what do you think about abortion, Russ? Like, a lot of Christians try to put me in some corner. <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you, pro, you pro-life or are you yeah. pro-choice? Like, what are you? What are you, Russ? Okay, what's your tribe? Where are you? Yeah. Are you in my tribe? What's your tribe? Yeah. Are you in my tribe? Yeah, exactly. And I, my response was always, listen, people don't have abortions on the weekend for fun. All right? That's not the fucking conversation we're having. It is heart-wrenching, emotional, and, and it's, a, it's a hard fucking decision. Um, from a male perspective, when I was about, fuck, 19, I had a friend whose girlfriend had an abortion. And for whatever reason, he, he fucking lost it because um, he kind of wanted the kid. He was excited. Like she said, she came to one day and said, I'm pregnant. And he was like, awesome. We're going to have a baby. And uh, a few days later, she had, she had an abortion. It, her, I don't know her whole story. And that's, and that's the heart-wrenching part of this, too, is, is I don't know her story. And I know her as a friend. And she must have went through some hell, too. But I watched him go through hell, too. I watched him lock himself in a bathroom, threatening suicide. Because his girlfriend was going to abort his child, you know. And I'm, like, fucking pounding on the doors. Like, listen, dude, open the fucking door, you know. I thought he was going to fucking jump in the bathroom and cut his fucking wrists open. Like, that's the emotional level that he was at when, when he got the news. So, so you know, it's, it's either way, it's just, a, it's just a really fucked up thing that, that you know, that happens. And people can say, oh, well, keep it in your pants and all this shit. And it's just, there's just so much rhetoric and bullshit. And it's such a human thing. And it's tragedy. It's a tragedy whether you're pro-life or pro-choice. Like, fuck you. It's, it's still a tragedy. I think during the concert, something that hit me was, you know, I'm, I like nuance and I like complicated things. Um, and I'm unusual in that way. But even that... I felt my brain running from running, trying to find a spot of like, just throw a throw a blanket over this and ignore <laughs> it. Right? Throw something. Yeah, yeah, throw yeah. some rhetoric at it. Yeah. Throw something uh, that give yourself an excuse to find some distance because this is too fucking hard. Mm. Uh, and I think, I mean, that's where we are as a society when it comes to this topic. Mm. Is everybody immediately dissociates? Yeah, and they're like, ah, uh, you know, yeah. well, we, didn't know, we didn't know what we were signing up for, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, we did yeah. not know what we that was going to be like. Yeah. yeah. So and and yeah, and, and you see that constantly with this issue is people just run immediately to the things that they've been taught and they've been told, mm. and something that they can just they can they're immediately reaching for anything that can make them stop thinking about it. An anger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, anger. like and that's kind of where I was. It was as a younger man. I was pretty pro-choice because of that thing. And I'm not a, you know, I was never a fucking conservative. You know, I'm an ex-drug dealer addict. But I was like, yeah, fuck you, murderer. You know, that's where I was. Right. I'll be honest. I'm not. I don't hold that position anymore just because I've heard stories like hers, and I know how how fucking heart-wrenching it is. 
Um, and, I, and I agree with you about the legal thing. Like, making it illegal is just going to make it just so much worse. So, yeah. And uh, so, I, and I actually thought, so there's this thing I was reading about this phenomena about humans seeing something super cute hmm. and wanting to, like, squeeze it so hard they kill it. Oh. Yeah, like, yeah. and it's, they say it's an emotional reaction in your brain because your brain doesn't know what to do with something cute like that. So it's like, just get rid of it. Like, just kill it. John uh, Steinbach from uh, of Mice and Men, like Lenny, killed right. the rabbit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things about like, that. Yes. Yeah. And and in some ways, the abortion thing is a much much darker version of that. That's interesting. Of where you see this woman in front of you, and your brain almost takes over and is like, do anything to get rid of her, like make her go away, because this makes me so uncomfortable, and I don't have a box to put it into. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So and 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 people do crazy fucking shit to make that go away. Yeah. Like. Like, they will do anything so they don't have to see it, they don't have to hear about it, they don't have to think about it. I want to right now turn around and not remember that I ever met you because this is too fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I don't have a box to put it in. Yeah. And, and, and what that does to the girls is just fucking awful. Yeah. And the kids, to be honest, because that's kind of the conservative thing. Like, oh, yeah, we love the babies and God says that all the babies are precious. But once you have them... Yeah fuck, fuck you. Yeah. yeah, fuck you. We're not going to fund your, you know, addiction clinics or or mental health. You know, Feed fuck them, you. Florida, them. for example, Florida is just pisses me off. Like here's a state that's just like fuck you to all the any poor person or anybody who struggles with addiction or criminal behavior. Like there's mental just the just the all out assault on on people with mental health or, or anyone thing, who has a criminal record. There was that thing which that I do, by the, the way. I think Arthur shared recently from a pastor yeah. who talked about um, it's really, really easy for evangelicals to defend the unborn. Mm -hmm. Because oh, I, I, I there's yeah. because uh, they don't there's there's no obligation there's to no the obligation. unborn. Exactly. And you can feel super fucking good about yourself yeah. about defending this thing that you don't have to help at yeah. all that uh -huh. isn't asking anything for you but the second it's born uh -huh. fuck you yep. yeah yeah like yeah. go take care of yourself figure it out yeah but but you be the, good yeah the, the it's more of an ideal that they're yeah, defending yeah. Yeah. It has nothing to do with the actual reality nothing to do with actual facts nothing to do with actual humanity it's just a really nice yeah. the foster care system is currently overloaded in our area uh -huh. there are more children than there are registered beds in our county that problem doesn't go away if you make abortion illegal. Right. It just gets worse. Right, you right. Know, people aren't taking care of the kids who need help that are here and alive and breathing. Right. Yeah. Standing up for, you know, the unborn, though, that requires no investment other than... Right, no, ever. You just get opinion a, and a mouthpiece. You just get to be outraged as much as you want. Yep. And that's... Self-righteously. Yes. It feels so good. Right. Oh, man. I get just, to be right. Just a doping drip, like, <laughs> that I can just <laughs> go to every time I think about it. Right. Yeah. Oh, that that film, Instant Family. Have you guys seen it? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's, it, it's pretty good, and it. I, I picked up a woman be, as a Lyft driver. <laughs> there's there's this woman who who works in foster care. So I work in foster care. I go, I go Instant Family. Why haven't I just watched that? And she goes, That's a pretty accurate film. And and she goes, The teenagers are neglected, especially anyone over the age of ten. Is kind of fucked in the foster system, um, and she goes, she goes, it's 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 good enough to where we we tell potential foster parents that this is the most homework. Yeah, that's you know this is what you're gonna be facing. It's a lot to take on. 
It's but one of those things that there's it's also a lie, and it's a fraction of what you'll be facing. Yeah, it's but 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 yes, it's a great advertisement. Yeah, <laughs> it is an advertiser. It's one of those things. As someone me. who lived in in that world, yeah, that. you've you've had foster kids in and out. Arthur knows. I found the thing: the unborn are a convenient group of people to advocate for. They never make demands of you. They are morally uncomplicated, unlike the incarcerated, addicted, or the chronically poor. Yeah. They don't resist your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct, unlike widows. They don't ask you to question patriarchy, unlike... Wait, okay, I, I missed the comma there. Uh, they... Uh, forgive me. They don't resent your condescension or complain that you are not politically correct. Unlike widows, they don't ask you to question patriarchy. Unlike orphans, they don't need money, education, or childcare. Unlike aliens, they don't bring all that racial, cultural, and religious baggage that you dislike. They allow you to feel good about yourself without any work or creating or maintaining relationships. And when they are born, you can forget about them because they cease to be unborn. You can love the unborn and advocate for them without substantially challenging your own wealth, power, or privilege without reimagining social structures, apologizing, or making reparations to anyone. They are, in short, the perfect people to love if you want to claim you love Jesus, but actually dislike people who breathe. Who, who was it that? that? Uh, Colin Hanks. Colin Hanks. Oh. And he's a pastor. pastor. But Colin Hanks posted that on his Twitter from someone else. Okay, like yeah, I don't remember. There was, it was some pastor that wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Pastor that originally, yeah. Which is, was amazing. That's... Spot on. Perfect, yeah. 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 I, I can love Jesus and love children, but I don't have to be inconvenienced. I don't have to <laughs> yeah. change anything. And exactly. Yeah, it's just loving the idea of children. Not actually loving children, just loving the idea of children. Yeah. Again, it comes back to that potential thing. Yeah. Like, I love the idea of the potential of that, uh -huh. but the reality of it is so difficult and disappointing. I don't want anything to do with that. Mm -hmm. Just the idea. I want just the idea, please. Mm -hmm. Just the fantasy. It's interesting, the thing that I was challenged with uh, um, on this topic and many that are very politically decisive um, on issues that are difficult to, to... What does it take for you to feel so right that you can tell other people how to live their life? Right. That, that, that your opinion is so correct that you can impose it on people that don't agree with you. I think that comes from a place of super insecurity. Of you... Like, your own certainty about yourself is not enough. It's not cutting it. So you have to try and force everyone around you to reflect that back to you. And you're willing to do really horrific things to try and get to the point where that certainty is strong enough to carry you through the things that you don't feel like you can handle. And I think that's where that comes from, is like, of, of yeah, I don't, this certainty that I have inside me isn't enough, and my shit's not going away, and my pain's not going away, and my depression anxiety's not going away. I have to force everybody else to say the same thing, and then maybe it'll manifest it into reality in some way, and then I'll finally have the certainty I need to make that shit go away. And it can't exist. No. It just I mean, never exists. Well, gonna, yeah, I mean, Christians already, the ones that I know, think that, you know, a miscarried child goes to heaven. 
Yeah. Do they, do they think that an aborted child doesn't I love the thing you always brought up, like, what's the problem? Don't they all go to heaven? <laughs> yeah, the, the <laughs> rational thing for a Christian to do would be to encourage abortions in places that they're, where there's not cultural Christianity. Yeah. So go Lots to go to a, uh Islam nation and encourage abortion because, hey, at least they'll go to heaven. As opposed to when they're born, then they're guaranteed to go to hell. Rationally, that's how that should work. Yeah, if you're a literalist. I mean, also, right. if you believe that God decided to like destroy everybody on earth in a flood because they were wicked, you but, already believe in a God who's just absolutely fine with people's lives being cut short at any moment. There's inconsistencies and cognitive dissonances and incongruencies, but you know, I can put myself in that headspace as a young man and people I knew as well as myself, although I was never really a social conservative. I was always more of a fiscal conservative. But but I think that they sincerely see it as murder. Mm-hmm. And it's like murder's bad. And so you're killing a person. That should be illegal. And I don't think it gets more complicated than that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they try to distill it down to that, sure. Yeah. yeah. And they, they, you know, there's theological things, you know, like uh, fearfully and wonderfully made. And, oh, uh, uh, John the Baptist leaped for joy in Elizabeth's womb when Mary announced uh, she was pregnant. You know, that, that whole thing like, oh, look, the fetus, it has a soul kind of thing. Because the Bible says so. And I think that's where they're coming from is, you know, don't don't murder. I had I had breakfast with a leftist kid that I used to, that was involved with us in a, in a group we used to hang out with in high school. And he spent the entire breakfast trying to convince me as a right-leaning I was wrong because I didn't agree with him on some issues. Yeah, that happens, issues. that happens. And that's the difficulty is how do we then maintain some civility in relationship that I'm not spending all my time to convince you that you're wrong right. while you're not trying to convince all you, my time that I'm wrong. And I think that's kind of the point of Amanda's thing. That's was, awesome. Was not trying to get into who's right and who's wrong. <laughs> it's getting into compassion. Yes. Yeah. And getting yes. into where is your humanity. Yes. And getting into tell me your story. Exactly. And getting into show well, me your pain and show me your vulnerability. And then all that shit just just not as important. So, yeah. so, so to tell one of the one of the one of the ways that worked out was, um, <clears throat> she found out she she was she was going to have this baby with Neil. And then she found out that, that it died. Mm-hmm. And that she was going to, you know, have a, a stillborn child at some point. Mm-hmm. Her, her body was going to, you know, go mm-hmm. into labor. And, and and she had this trip scheduled. And she was at this hotel. And, um, and she shows up and she had forgotten that... Uh, that she had scheduled this massage and so she went to it, but she forgot that she scheduled it as a pregnancy massage. Oh. And so she shows up and the masseuse is there and it like dawns on her, oh fuck, I scheduled a pregnancy massage. And so she's panicking on like what to do because she's like, this woman's gonna talk to me and I'm I don't I don't wanna talk about this and I don't I don't know how to go through with this. And so she just stops the woman and says, and tells her, like, I'm having a miscarriage. My baby died, and I'm going to have it soon, but I would still really like a massage. And the woman responds with, oh, good. I'm so glad you told me. Was it her sister? 
No, it was her. Or I her heard it was her. She had just recently had a miscarriage, and she wasn't looking forward to giving this pregnancy. Oh, wow. oh, wow. And so then they ended up connecting. Wow. And she... Vulnerability. Met, met Amanda's needs and yeah. gave her a massage, and then Amanda proceeded to have her miscarriage at this hotel. <laughs> Fuck. By herself. On her own. By herself. Walking Jesus. the hall. <laughs> yeah, it was a brutal <laughs> story. God, been out of mess. How far along was she? Three months, she said. Oh, okay. Uh, I it was, but then she followed up by saying, and this kind of hit me too, was she said she woke up the next day and she didn't feel nearly as bad as she thought she would. And she realized, like, that she had the equipment, she had the emotional strength, and her body knew what to do. And it was only other people's horror pouring into mm-hmm. her that would have made that that much worse. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how bad things would have been if she had gone to a hospital, because mm-hmm. they would have made a huge fucking deal about yeah. it. And 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 yeah, and she said that's something that girls in sex head now aren't taught necessarily. Is is you have you, everything you need. You have what you need. Yeah. And and in a way. Sometimes other people helping makes that way worse right, because yeah. they're putting pressure in places that there shouldn't necessarily be pressure. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and you can do this, uh, yeah. but sometimes other people projecting onto you. Yeah. Like, fucks things up. Bolts Weber talked about that in her book Shameless. She talked. She had an abortion story, and she also talked about sexuality today, and how we focus so much on sexual purity and stuff like that. Christians do, and she's a pastor. Um, but I really liked how how she she said kind of the same thing, but also realizing that we have the technology today to have sex right. and to be responsible. Right. Where when the Bible was written, they <coughs> didn't. Right. You know, so there was again. You talk about sin. I think there's a strong you know controlling social pressure mm-hmm. to not have things unplanned. To use those words. And not that long ago, sex would just destroy society. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it did. Like, yeah, yeah. think about being a man and realizing, like, if you have sex once with your wife and she gets pregnant, there's a really good chance that will kill her. Right. Yeah. Like, can you imagine the effect, the emotional and mental effect of that weight? Or having 20 kids. And <laughs> I went through C-sections. She would have been. Yeah. 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 Like at yeah. a different age. Yeah. Mom had an ectopic pregnancy. Or well, you had to make your own workforce. 20 kids was kind of a blessing. That's or, what, a blessing. Well, Children are a blessing. Gonna, it's like, yeah, if you're able to run a farm. Die or, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's And there's just yeah, no way to stop. Too. There was no... Exactly. There was, yeah, if you had sex, yeah. there was a good chance... So, so the stigma around it being a sin is part of the problem. Right. You know, because people aren't responsible because they think what they're doing is sinning already. And if there's, so why should we be if there's responsible? there's one thing conservative Christianity is bad at, it's adjusting to new technology. <laughs> they're not good at that. Yeah. Like, they do not keep it's up controlling. with the times. So the idea is once true, always true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the whole adjusting to the times is... Uh, it's kind of contrary to everything they're trying to do. He's yeah. yesterday to, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, but you fucking aren't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you fucking aren't. And technology isn't. Um, so this is a weird episode where we talk about shit that never applies to us. Yeah, well, okay, none of us have ever. Well, yes. I think that I think that part of what we do here to to go on to Amanda Palmer's what you were telling what you were talking about where she's really. Helping people understand is have empathy, 
And some of what we do here is curiosity. Like what, what if instead of attacking each other, we could be curious and use questions to draw out where we trigger each other and, and we're all friends and we can love each other and be curious rather than shit on each other or, you know, well, I got, I'm right. Like, let me tell you the right thing because, you know, we're a culture that's addicted to being right. And it's not just Christians, you know. That's true. No. All right. I think Sounds like a good uh, place to end it. Park it. Yeah. Now. I think the worst time to have a heart attack is during a game of charades. That's a huge bitch. Thanks for listening to Punk Theology. Don't forget to subscribe, like to join us in having more ears hear this punk sound. Please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you may hear this fucking podcast. Punk Theology is the property of Digital Audio Project, a limited liability corporation, who is responsible for its content. Don't chicken out! Go to hell! And take your friends with you!